If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, Hour number two, Live Nation's Friday edition of the Jeff Cameron Show. Thanks for tuning to it. I'm Jeff. There's Tom, Director Matthew in the house as well. Don't forget to like and subscribe to uh, War Chant TV if you get the opportunity. Helps others find programming uh, on this here fine station. Thanks for listening on 93.3 Real Talk Radio as well. Get you set for the weekend. I'm headed down south. Going to be at the Lightning game on Sunday, Tom. You're playing some golf and doing some business uh, Crystal River, I believe. been a while since I did any sort of hanging out at Crystal River. Don't know that I do a lot of hanging out at Crystal River, uh, but uh, should have Can't some fun. I've, ever, I've been through it a million times. That's the drive home to get to Pinellas County, but um, never stopped. I don't even know that I've ever stopped for, uh, I don't know, refreshments or, or a gas refill. Usually it was like Homosassa or Perry but usually nary in between. And now, buddy, you'll see the beauty that is the Sun Coast. I don't know if you're going to take that today, but it, but it cuts through in Crystal River now. It's no, You don't have to go through that wishy-washy nonsense down in Homosassa, but maybe if you're going to St. Pete, you're just going to take 75 anyway. Yeah, i got to figure out what I'm doing here. It depends on the, uh, the folks that I get to see and, and what's available, but I, I do know this. Either way, uh, Crystal River... I had fun as a kid with the manatees, Crystal River, beautiful, 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 the springs there and all that. But uh, I, I'm I'm a little envious because you're going for a different reason. But I, I you'll yeah. have to tell. Well, uh, so I just talked about how you get from A to B. So that's the first old man check in the box. Here's the second one. Have you seen the weather for today and tomorrow? Oh man, it's god awful. God awful. So, so you may be making a fruitless drive. I, I mean, I I set the over under at like, you know, eight and a half holes of golf. We'll see. But uh, we'll see. All right. Florida State loses last night. We'd mentioned it. Carson uh, Montgomery was not good again. Um, you know, you, you start off the game, you give up three hits right off the bat, which was uh, you had the RBI double in there. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I just – 
I'm frustrated with the inability to find a third starter. You are too. We talked about it. It's uh, aggravating. But at the same time, I would tell you that, um, you know, I've learned not to overreact to all these things, but I am tired already of getting walked off. So if we can avoid a walk off, that'd be great. That'd be great. Let's let's get this out of our system. I said it last hour. Get it out of our system. But also, don't forget what you have to look forward to if you're staying in tally this weekend, which is the softball team. And uh, hopefully, they're the ones doing the winning, which they usually are. Yeah, indeed. The weather here this weekend is more typical of this time of year, which is, eh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, that's the group that, you know, we fully expect to be hosting the Super Regional next week. The first pitch scheduled tonight, as long as there's no weather issues, 830 against Howard. And then from there, you hope you can handle USF and I believe it's Mississippi State is team number three that's here. Uh, I may have that wrong. That might have been a projection in Boyd's world. But no matter the case, the regional is for this program, just like it used to be for the baseball program. It is a stepping stone. You are fully expected to be hosting Memorial Day weekend for Supers. Florida State's the number two seed in the country. Uh, it's a program that is near and dear to my heart. So wherever I am this weekend, you best believe I will be tuned into the softball program. Sunday is going to be a wide open day for them because baseball finishes on Saturday. But the concern for the baseball program is that now you're 23 in the Boyd's world pseudo RPI. So you are up against it. If you want to host in Tallahassee, you are up against it. You've got to come back at least win one of the next two. And if you only win one of the next two, you probably have to get to the final game of the ACC tournament, that championship thing that they do that's weird. And maybe that's enough to push you over the edge. But really, honestly, the best path to hosting a regional here for baseball on a couple weekends is to, you know, take care of business and let uh, both Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard shove, and you win these two games, take two out of three on the road from the Tar Heels. I think they will. You know, that's why, I mean, I think they will. I do. I believe they will. Um, <clears throat> I think Parker will bounce back from um, a spotty start his last time. Uh, and then Hubbard is very trustworthy, obviously. I mean, nobody is uh, perfect out there. You had you had bad outings uh, from both these guys this year, but they're dominant pitchers. The body of work, the, the data points suggest they'll go out and they'll pitch extremely well. I think they will. And if they do and you win the series – your lone loss being a walk-off, it's heartbreaking, but it's still a series win on the road. And, then I, you know, the weirdest thing with this team is, again, they're set up because you're guaranteed to play three games in that ACC tournament, so you're set up to win two of them because of these two guys. Um, and then you take your chances with whatever you roll out there with the third game, but I, I still think they have enough arms. Listen, a couple of things happened last night that normally don't happen. Crowell didn't pitch well, and so that's kind of rare. Um, and, and, again, I think it'll be fascinating to watch, but I continue to talk about – the freshman on this team and, and Tibbs hit the big home run, his 10th of the season as a freshman that gave Florida state the lead. Um, you know, I've been elated. Uh, Logan Lacey lately, by the way, is starting to hit. He hit a home run last night. Uh, some of the power numbers that have been so bad for Florida state have been affected lately by uh, guys hitting home runs, young players uh, hitting home runs and, and kind of carrying this team. And, you know, listen, why Cruel has been dependable. Yes. But so I, I just, I hate getting walked off. It hurts your feelings, especially because you're not away from winning the damn game. But, yeah. You know, it's, it's baseball. I'm not going to freak out. I was going to say, sorry, that that's, you know, when it's back-to-back walk-offs, that's all the more visceral, and, and you get a little bit more angry about that uh, to clean it up. I was right. Mississippi State is coming to town. They're already here. Welcome, everybody. Hope you go home, losers. And uh, FSU softball cruises on. 
but that's the uh, the, the hard part is it, within you know three days, three nights of each other, you get walked off twice, and you're just so damn close. Even if you split those two situations and you had the lead last night, then you're in prime position to stay ahead of the curve. For me, I know you should enjoy the moment as a baseball fan because when it's gone, you miss it. But I'm just looking at the numbers, and it's a race against the numbers and the RPI in order to host here because I think it's a much bigger hurdle for this team. That's why I speak of the urgent with the urgency I do. The regional is a much harder thing for this team to win than a super regional given the frontline pitching. So what do you want? You want the advantage of playing at Hauser for the regional because it makes a difference. Clearly, this team looks different, and they finish games a little bit better when they play here at Hauser. So. Hopefully they do enough to get the job done. We will be watching very closely. You and I, though, have had this thought over the years that something shifts in the postseason when they host and there's a weight, a pall, something that hangs over them with the expectation of advancing. And I would just say that I they played well on the road last year. They were that close. Yeah. I mean, you think about what they did. They do have red ass in them. They do have us against the world because that's their coach. And I don't think they'll shrink on the road. I'm not telling anybody listening to this that, hey, uh, they're a great team. They're not a great team. They strike out too much. Their flaws are well documented. They don't have a third starter. They're a little inconsistent in that regard when you get past their top two. We know that. They strike out too much. I bring that up a lot. It's frustrating. I do get encouraged by the youngest players on this team that I know will be here next year. And then you continue to retool this roster in the process. The key is you want to move on and have successes while you're bringing in and retooling the roster, these young players that they've hit on. They really have hit on some guys, uh, Tibbs being chief amongst them. So to me, do you have a successful season? Well, that's defined by a definitely making the postseason. You'd love to host a regional, get it, but you have to at least win a regional, right? Typically around here, the bar is very high. Do you win a regional? You know, it's not necessarily you have to get to Omaha. Eight teams get to Omaha. Um, you know, listen, this, this this is a program that spent a lot of time in Omaha as well documented as well that they've come up short when they've been out there. But they go out there quite a bit, even in years where they're flawed, like the one we went to in Baton Rouge to watch them sweep uh, LSU at LSU. Uh, and then go on to the College World Series where they couldn't score. <laughs> they, couldn't, they couldn't score. It was crazy. But they they play well on the road, and they do play with a lot of heart on the road. I won't be devastated if they have to go do it on the road. I get what you're saying. I prefer to go to Hauser. Those steamy days in Hauser have provided a lot of fond memories. I do think they are propelled at times at home, but I also think that if they get behind at home, you instantly feel the pressure of history, the weight of the history of coming up short in terms of winning a national championship. It's just like, it's instantaneous. I don't know how to explain it, but anybody that's been in that stadium knows what I'm talking about. I'd like this group to feel that though. And I wonder if this manager will respond to that with a little bit more bravado. I feel like meat would respond. It's us against the world. So what? So what? We've got all this history. That's where having a different coach, even if he carries the same name as his dad, might be a benefit. I, I just want to increase the chances for Florida State to obviously, you know, get there and be successful. And the thing is, the standard is the standard. It's Omaha or bust every year. Like, I, I get it. This is a top 25 team. It's not a top eight team in the country. But the standard is get to Omaha. And what, what's difficult is if you're the manager of the Dodgers or clearly this year, you're the manager of Tennessee, like, 
the margins are wide. So if you make some mistakes or, you know, you could be second guessed. That's probably more fair for baseball. You could be second guessed. You can win around that decision that's made. Clearly, you've got the horses to do it. The frustration I have with this group is in some of those margins, we're making decisions like continuing to roll out Carson Montgomery as a starting pitcher. And you're like, Jesus, man, you've got to do little things right to help propel this team to be a top 16 team in the RPI and in the country. So when, when you see these little things, these little moments go by, I grant you and I agree with you, more talent is coming. It's on the way. It's just this year is one of those years you almost have to manage past your flaws. And I feel like there have been times this year where you're just wondering, we're doing what now with who? And hopefully it's all okay in the end, but we'll see. You know, what's funny is that uh, when you decide to buy in, and we'll move on from baseball in a second, but when you when you decide to buy in to an aggressive style and you talked about a bravado that you think meat would have if we played here in those situations, that's fine. But there's the good and the bad with all of that, man. We will run our ass out of an inning. We will yeah. run our ass out of an inning. And I can't be a hypocrite in this because I praised it at the beginning of the year. And I said, you know what? Do it. You're more athletic than you've been in a long time. They got a lot of kids that can run. They didn't used to. And so I thought, you know what? Make college catchers and college second baseman and college outfielders have to make plays they're not accustomed to make. You know, that force the issue, that's fine. But, man, there's the bad that comes with it. It seems like every time we're aggressive in these yeah. situations, guys are making those throws, and we are getting thrown out in the biggest moments, and it is aggravating. Well, there's also, you know me, uh, I, I don't like to be the football-minded baseball fan. Right, I like to see right, a larger right. picture. In college baseball, it's shrunk down a little bit. You know, every game's worth about three in the majors because you play about 50, right, versus the 162. But I will be that guy for a moment. What just infuriates me is we're just not good at running the bases by and large. Period. We need to bring in a guy who's a base running teacher. Uh, maybe that's the next assistant coach. It could be a grad assistant who's really good at it. Bring Tyler Holt back. Actually, that didn't work either. So whoever it needs to be, because that fly ball that the kid runs through the fence on Friday, how the hell were, where are we? Where are we on the diamond? It's little crap like that. That drives me absolutely batty. So, it, in no world is that a good play. And I know it's only one, but it's indicative of a lot of the things you see on the base pass where you go, what the hell are you taught? Because it's not just once. It's years of this nonsense. But what's weird, and we'll we'll go to break and we'll get off baseball, but I'm just telling you what's weird is 11, Mike Martin, the legendary baseball coach that is obviously um, uh, not just beloved, but a guy that inarguably did things the right way for a very long time, and that includes coaching the game. Florida State was praised for a very long time for being fundamentally sound in aspects that many college baseball teams were not. And that's how they overcame at times some of those teams, some of the some of the shortcomings uh, out in Omaha had to do with teams that had no business getting there had to do with teams that should not have been there. And one of the ways that they got there was that they ran the bases better than you. They picked up the baseball, pitching and defense, pitching and defense, right? That was the that was the mantra all the time. And I remember going out to practices and seeing them work for hours on end, running the bases situationally. What do you do? The ball's caught in right field. You're on second base, one out in this situation. What do you do when the score is? And he would call out scores outs 
just to test the runners to make sure they knew what they were supposed to do. His son was there for all of it. Mm-hmm. Meat right. was there as a player for it. He was there as a coach for it. I don't think that they're teaching it wrong. I just don't know why we seem to, over the last five years or so, have a collection of morons on the base paths. I mean, I'm not ta- this is not an insult as human beings. It's just like we are nonsensical at times yeah. running the bases. It's bizarre to me. Well, listen, man, I, you know, Florida State football works special teams a lot, too. But if they suck again this year, it's not on the players at that point. And you look at even the defense this year, the fielding percentage is one thousandth of a percentage point better. Last year, they were 968. As of today, they're fielding at 969. Not nice. Not nice at all. This is where we are. When's the last time that you could say, I mean, really, we're like, remember that baseball team here in Tallahassee? They were fundamentally sound. It's been a long damn time. Yeah. It is unfortunately it has been a really long time. Jeff Cameron show libations Friday, Lucy Goosey, 933 Real Talk FM and Warchant TV. Back for more in a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting-edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five-star mortgage experience at FSUHomeLoans.com. Yesterday at the end with Tiger Woods, man, I don't like it. I don't like what I saw there. At number eight, he hits a ball and looks like he's seen a ghost. And uh, the frustration, I could tell, was mounting. Uh, It was his second shot. Uh, He ends up, um, I don't know, he slammed, I don't know if you saw it, he slammed his wedge down. Uh, and you could see that he was completely uncomfortable. He began to noticeably limp worse than he normal than he does anyhow. And uh, he, you know, he ended up um, he ended up bogeying the hole, kind of tur- made the turn at even par. But from that point forward, uh, he bogeys the next two holes, and you can see the look on his face. And man, I'm getting scared because what I wanted to see, and I believed was possible was uh, an LT grade that competes one more time for a British Open or a Masters. But if you can't load on your right leg and get off of that leg and you're in pain, I don't he looked he, he looked like a guy that was almost resigned yesterday to the fact that he's got obviously zero chance to win this tournament, but almost, and this could be dated again because we're recording today. Um, but I mean I can't that was bad, Tom. And everybody to a man said that when he got there, that he was looking better, that he, uh, during the practice round, the limp wasn't as pronounced. Uh, he felt stronger. To have this happen uh, is a little unsettling. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm a noted Tiger fan. So, you know, for me, it's bothersome. I'm, I, I love this. I'm going to watch the tournament. It's great to see Rory get off to such a great start. Hopefully he keeps it going. I have a suspicion. Rom will bounce back today. Clearly, those like him and Scheffler and others, uh, Morikawa, that had to play later in the day 
got uh, the the bad end of the draw. Um, but because those really just keeping it anywhere near par yesterday for those that went out in the afternoon uh, was a triumphant uh, 18. So we'll, we'll see that th this thing will mm, you'll see this group come back. And I think it'll be a lot of fun over the weekend. But uh, I, the weekend will not include Tiger Woods. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, you look at the property and I sound like way too much of a snob here. Uh, so I'll, I'll <laughs> you look at uh, St. Andrews, not the property. I've never been there, so I've never looked at it. But it's pretty flat. St. Andrews is. The weather was the concern. It was the temperature. And, and you know, will that cause all kinds of issues with joint pain for Tiger and then also restricting his movements even more? It was never about the property itself and all the hills like Augusta. Augusta is a walk and a half. If you've been there as a fan, I have yet to go as a patron. Uh, but everybody who was in great shape and anything in between that and terrible shape, they will all tell you, my body is sore for like an extra day. It's after crazy. Walking Augusta. It's a different deal. It's a lot easier overseas in Scotland. But if you've got blazing heat like they have this weekend in Oklahoma and Tiger still has problems, that's what concerns me. Typically, it was a temperature thing in this iteration of his career. Now it looks like it's not related to that at all. So, um you know, buckle up a little bit here. Hopefully he can find a better routine that puts less stress on it. But I feel like, and he's been talking about it, there's a whole lot less in his practice routine anyway. As it stands right now, it's kind of stripped down and minimalist. I don't know that there's much more he can do other than maybe just show up and play and hope that he has it in, in him that given day. And that's not conducive to consistently competing, making cuts, and have top tens in majors. So I don't know. Maybe he picks his battle once a year, and then that's what he goes with. And that would suck. But I don't think he's done done, even though that look in his eye was a faraway stare that was questioning his existence yesterday. Well, he, quote, I just can't load it. Loading hurts. Pressing off of it hurts. Walking hurts. Twisting hurts. You know, golf. If I don't play that, I'm fine. <laughs> That's a great quote. He went on to say, uh, I mean, look, he even tried to hit stingers yesterday and they were offline. I didn't hit a lot of good shots. I didn't hit a lot of good iron shots. I drove it well, but my iron shots weren't good. I didn't get the ball close. I got off to a great start. I couldn't keep it going. I didn't give myself any looks for birdie at all. I was struggling trying to get the ball to the green. I missed quite a few of my irons today. It has been a very, very, very frustrating day. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, as he was... <laughs> At one point, he got a little frustrated on the back nine. Tom, I don't know if you saw the interaction, but he turned to the cameraman and told him to move. Did you see that? No, I did not. So, I, I don't. This is interesting because you and I also comment on how golf is covered. And I noticed. You remember the Rory drive where he comes a yard short from carrying three forty or whatever it was, three thirty. Yeah, yeah. Look where the camera was. It's right in front of where his ball hits in the sand. I mean. If that carries another yard, it hits it. Now, what was fascinating is I noticed throughout the day they were up on top of guys. That was true of Scheffler and some other guys. So Woods at one point in the back nine turns and said, hey, man, can you give me some breathing room, please? I don't know that I've ever seen that. I don't, I've never seen a, a player or, or Woods in particular turn and say something to a cameraman. That tells you that he's he's flustered. It's like uh, Nick Saban running to his cronies when uh, NIL is bugging him and Jimbo Fisher flipping out, worrying about integrity and credit for a recruiting class when NIL is a, is a player. People are out of their comfort zone. 
And uh, that's what Tiger was yesterday as well. Whenever you're out of your comfort zone, you may do. It's not just about a Snickers commercial. When you're hungry, you're not yourself. Sometimes other things, too, can affect the way that you see the world and interact with other people. And, yeah, I, I saw the, the first bad stinger yesterday. I saw a very limited window of Tiger's first round. It was their front nine. It was the drive, the 340-yard drive. But there was another tee shot, and I forget if it was Tiger's sixth or seventh hole, whichever it was. Uh, but it looked like a, a flight that I might have if I tried the stinger because it was low and it ballooned out to the right. I was like, oh, that's this is the one shot in his life that he you could rouse him from sleep at 430 in the morning or something else. And he could walk out there and he'd hit you a stinger and it'd go right down the middle and go 280. If that's not working for him, something is bad. And I guess it just got worse from there. Yeah, um, I, uh, <coughs> I, I, I well let's go back to something else because I want to, I want to change gears. You just said it, that the world has responded now to Saban Fisher feud. And that includes Dion who at one point said, I'm not the guy you want to play with, which roll my eyes. Get that. You're not, you're not going to do this. I, uh, it, he drives me nuts. He drives. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Dion? I'm not the one to play with. What is, what does that even mean? Yeah ridiculous that you said <laughs> you gonna kill him you gonna take a bat to his legs like well, what to do it? anything coach at jackson state but the point would be that uh now and look I, I think he realized it was absurd because he went on to say uh well i you know i, I still love coach david i don't think he was speaking to me uh, you know okay yes he was well, he's sounding the alarm bells. If you um, you saw what the other coaches had to say, right? Everybody went to try to get a reaction from what Jimbo Fisher had to say, and what you in, in response to Saban, and what ended up happening was assistants uh, and others noted that uh, off the record, of course, NIL has caused a lot of confusion and consternation. And as a league, this is an SEC athletic director speaking on the condition of anonymity. We've got to handle issues like this. Hopefully we do so not in the public eye. All right. So you figured that would be a response. There's an assistant coach that ESPN got on the record out of the Big Ten. A lot of us were talking about it and we thought it was a call to arms. The way that they've been doing it isn't really holding up in the new age. And that's kind of what we saw. Everyone across the country is calling a booster to step up. And I think that's what he's pointing out. Another power five head coach said about this Nick's point, albeit valid. He's smarter than that though. He shouldn't do that. He usually doesn't put his hand in the hornet's nest. There was no reason to cross the line the way that he did. All he had to do is be macro and vague. Something happened there. Jimbo did something that bothered him. The professor did not like what the pupil did in that situation. So let me ask you, that quote is fun. Do you think uh, that that was directed at Jimbo in the sense that they lost out on a guy specific to A&M outpaying them? Yeah, I, I think that's totally plausible. Um, and that would you know, favor again, what Jimbo is saying that when he doesn't get his way, he throws a little hissy fit and that that's what it comes off as here. Now, you know, quickly to Dion's point, I don't think he was talking. Yes, he was talking about you just as clearly as he was talking about Jimbo. He is calling you out. 
So what you going to do? You're going to tweet about it or you're going to get tough about it? That's where I, I do in a weird way admire what Jimbo did as crazy as it was and as full of lies as it was. <laughs> like, okay, all right, you want to go full steam? Screw you, man, because if we're going down, I'm bringing everybody down with me. I've got the receipts, dude. You want to talk about cheating? I know. Er Don't do it. I'm the wrong guy. I'm not on a different coaching tree. I worked with you. I see how the sausage is made. So I appreciate that part of it. But it's just I, the thing I love about it is these dudes are so fundamentally unsettled. Their confidence, everything about them. They are so unsettled by NIL, and I think it's awfully sweet. We, we forget this point a lot because we're worried about the health of the sport, and we should be. But I think it's awfully sweet that you see these dudes sweat after yeah. their salaries have gone exponentially to a ridiculous place, and they're never coming back down, which is crazy. I think part of the model would be you cut coaches' salaries significantly, redistribute that to the players. That's how you get this thing back on the right track. Nick Saban... He might be worth $50 million, $100 million to Tuscaloosa. But you know what? From an athletic budget standpoint, give him five, take the other five, and throw it into the NIL pool. You just made yourself a lot more money, got yourself a lot better players. I just love how now you're starting to mess with their money, and this is what that's about, I think, as well. You're starting to mess with their money, and they come out and they show you who they really are. So I appreciate NIL for allowing the world to see who these dudes really are behind the scenes rather than deifying them. Power 5 AD noted, everybody knows Nick is smart. There's a reason he's doing this. It's almost like for him to do this, Texas A&M has proven a serious threat. I think he sees this as an existential crisis. He can tell, and unless something changes, that's his way of saying, you guys got to do something. I think he sees this as, man, the gap is closing, and I'm ringing the alarm. I wouldn't disagree with that. I think he does see that. A Big Ten assistant coach said, I think there was like a universal 90 minutes where no one got any work done because we were all laughing our asses off. That's a better quote. Yes. <laughs> a group of five head coach said, it's like the sequel to the best movie ever. Fisher not calling is going to offend Saban more than Jimbo saying stuff publicly. Fisher not picking up the phone when Saban called is going to offend Saban. I was in a meeting and we had a break. I looked at my phone. I could not stop laughing at all of this. Big 10 assistant coach. I've gotten texts from coaches out of the Pac-12, out of the Big 10, out of the SEC, out of the ACC. The whole sport stopped what we were doing. We were scouting. We ignored calls from recruits to focus on that press conference. There was a whole lot of less production going on in college football today. I can tell you this. This was must-see television. Dude, I love that the whole college football world's like, yes, here we go. These two clowns are screaming at each other. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's funny because I think a lot of people wanted to hear Jimbo say what he said. And Jimbo knew it. Yeah, and, and that's where it didn't have to make a lick of sense. And for long stretches, it didn't. You just had to sound angry. I mean, it's it's Jerry Springer meets. And, and we always talk about the soap opera that is college football, but it largely never plays up to that level of, of ridiculousness. Yesterday, it did. And that's where when there is a 30 for 30 on this or whatever that it is, the documentary series at the time, this is going to be one of the, the linchpins of the moment. Like you knew that you were living in such a – a dystopian college football world that basically you have a presser called with a half an hour's notice. Here comes Jimbo and you know, haymakers are coming. 
because everybody, the, the Apple card is so upset. People don't know what's coming next. And hopefully what comes from this is when Nick calms down and Jimbo calms down, they all get in the room. The SEC becomes more motivated to come to the table and, and, and find whatever sweeping changes that need to be done for the good of the game. They're done because they've been embarrassed. I just hope they continue to embarrass themselves because that will at some point push this thing over the finish line, help push it over the finish line that we get the kind of college football reform we're looking for. It'll have to be on a legislative level, but then it has to be from the conferences. And the SEC was embarrassed yesterday, and that's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And two things to your point, and I agree, and I'll, I'll couple these things. Again, more uh, quotes under the condition of anonymity from Power 5 ADs and coaches who weighed in yesterday and spoke with ESPN reporters, Fox reporters, others. You can see these types of articles written throughout the country. One, I, I thought this was great. Um, basically, one Power 5 AD noted that uh, these are the kinds of conversations that have been going on for a long time, and now it's being aired. There's so many rumors, uh, so many things that people hear, even when some of the representatives of some of these athletes are telling coaches, it's hard to know if the figures are real or if they're exaggerated. I remember Irish Fell saying that. Unless the people involved with the figures actually come out and make statements about it, like the guy associated with the University of Miami, says 1AD, this makes for great theater, but it's one example of the many concerns people have behind the scenes who are now beginning to say it out loud, that this is unsustainable, that I'm very concerned where college athletics is going, that according to a football coach in the Power Five. But here you go, the Power Five AD that I think nails it. My initial thought was our profession has hit an all-time low. These coaches look like a bunch of buffoons. It's like no wonder we have the issues we have in college football when we have adults and people in leadership positions saying these things, handling this situation this way. Boom. Yes, it shows you who these people are behind the scenes. Folks, if you want to know what it's like to work in our industry and maybe sometimes that we get tired and it becomes a job rather than this great passion that we all grew up loving together on the other side, the civilian side of college football, this is it. If we get tired of it sometimes, it's because of dealing with personalities like this. The thing I will tell you, and you're like, sure, Tom, roll the eyes. Mike has been pretty good in that regard so far. Mike hasn't been like these clowns, but the Jimbo thing, you predicted it yesterday because you knew it to be a fact. Yeah. You know, the, the IRA uh, video that you two did where you guys are talking for upwards of 20 minutes about the state of, you know, cult where NIL is and then laughing at these two and then talking about your perspectives on Jimbo. That was recorded two hours before Jimbo's press conference. And some people noted in the comments section on uh, our YouTube TV channel, Cameron predicted this and the message boards. He predicted exactly how the Jimbo presser was going to go because people called into question. Nick called into question his integrity. But you see now what we have seen behind the scenes. Folks, when we were saying my man's bipolar, there you go. So you're getting to see behind the curtain now. The number one issue, and I have always said this with him, and again, this I'm not trying to thump my chest. The reality of the situation with Jimbo is that I interviewed him more than anybody in the sport uh, over the course of the years that he was here. I had access. That's all that is. That's not like, hey, look at me. I had access because I reached out when he was named offensive coordinator. 
And then he became assistant head coach and then head coach in waiting. I was interviewing him when he was the OC. And there was so, anyhow, I don't want to get into how that happened, but the point is that happened. And so I began to talk to him when he was first here before he had established anything. And, and we had a rapport where I kind of grew to understand the things that would set him off, the things that he didn't want to talk about or he would talk about. And I learned the hard way a lot of times what, what it is that sets him off. Sometimes you couldn't know. Oh. But a lot of times you could you could reasonably predict. About two years into my gig of talking to him every week, I realized, okay, you have to phrase things a certain way. You have to, if you want to get to the bottom of something, maybe you need to ask him a question off the record before the on the record question so that you can soften him up to be willing to talk about it. You had you had, had to go about your business in a very unique way. Right. But the number one thing that if there was even a perceived slight towards his work ethic and or his character or his integrity, any of those things, just even the, the slightest perceived slight, doesn't have to be real, he would lose his mind. You'd see the darty eyes. You'd see the hands start to tremble. He was that close to coming across the table. And you see it on display the second anybody second guesses him regarding integrity, work ethic, any of that stuff. And that's some old school West Virginia nonsense, man. That's from that's the stuff that I'm talking about that you you just know uh, you know, again, I'll play amateur psychologist. That that just stems from the childhood, man. And so this is very easy easily predicted. Well, yeah, I mean, he comes from a place where if he did something wrong, real wrong, he got slapped. And I don't think it was slapped. It was probably more than that. But um, you know, Looking back on those interviews, I remember when people would criticize in those moments and they'd say, well, why don't you just tell him yada, 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 <laughs> like what the fan, like basically be what Jimbo was yesterday to Jimbo in a, in a setting. Well, do you want a constructive interview or not? Sometimes you, you, you have to have access. So right. uh, by definition, you, you, you want to get the answers to the questions because they're insightful, but you can't start a fight. You'll never you'll never talk to him again. Right. He'll shut down. You don't get the interview anymore. And that's the thing. In the end, sure. Are there some things that you have to skirt over because, you know, he's sensitive? Yeah. But do you want the access and do you want the insights? Do you want to be able to bring that to the people? Yes or no. And sometimes you just got to eat it. That's kind of the nature of the business. But he was, you know, that was the first head coach I ever covered here at FSU. My first assignment as a beat reporter, was spring of 2010. So I never covered Bobby. I never got to go to a single practice that Bobby mm -hmm. Bowden was uh, the head coach. So that open media policy and all those, you know, like the good old days that you all talk about, I never saw that. I thought that was just the way that coaches were. Mike's been a lot easier to deal with than Jimbo. Mike's uh, been awesome. Willie was just a weird time. Uh, I don't know how to grade that one. But I, I thought, you know, five, six years in, I'm like, this is how they all are. They're all like Jimbo. That's not necessarily the case. But every once in a while, that crazy Jimbo is just good for everybody's soul. And that was yesterday. It's a character. It's a character of the game. And there aren't that many characters left in the game. So, yeah, in that sense, I agree. By the way, really quickly, just to give people insight on that, too, and we'll go to break. Um, Mike's been awesome to deal with. I don't have the same sort of uh, interview week to week like I used to. Um, maybe that comes back this year. We'll see. Um, but, but there are different reasons for that, uh, but they don't have anything to do with Mike. It's not Mike's fault. 
Uh, and then secondarily, I would tell you that I never had a problem with Willie. We got along fine. Uh, he was easy to deal with, uh, just so people know. Like every, every Sunday I interviewed him as well, or Monday morning. And he was, um, he was easy to deal with. He was a professional in that regard. Um, he was, he was fine. Uh, now he, you know, I mean, he didn't have answers to salient questions at times because, you know, he didn't, but, but, but he, but he wasn't rude. (laughs) I'll say that I could count on him to do the interview. (laughs) There was, yeah, there was a lot of that. If you're watching the feed, just sort of a, well, okay. All right. Well, that's, problematic but uh gonna gonna decline that penalty yeah okay well and that's a that's a different set of uh circumstances to deal with when you're like well so why did oh all right because when a person gives you the answer and it's a a dumb answer right what what do you do you're like well i'm gonna leave that there so coach, uh, let's go to the third quarter of this game. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chat TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five-star mortgage experience at FSUHomeLoans.com. Wrapping it up on a Live Nations Friday. Hope you guys have a tremendous weekend. And uh, obviously, hopefully Forest State on all fronts is victorious. But uh, we, we sh- we'll be back with you on Monday. Good to go. Uh, I will be. Think of me, friends. Think of me and smile as I go to game three. The uh, Easter Conference playoffs between the Lightning and the uh, Panthers. For it is that uh, I'm sacrificing for you. <laughs> I will win? be there, Tom. You think they win? That's going to be a furious effort from uh, the road team, I would think, those first 10 minutes. If Florida doesn't win, they will get swept. And uh, it'll be a glorious thing. There that a, is. A sweeping is sort of akin to patting on the head and, and, and really commending the child for an excellent effort. Yeah, the thing about last night's game, won't go too deep into it, but I thought for all but 10 seconds, Florida played a flawless defensive game. The Lightning did not have a ton of chances, and Florida possessed the puck for 80% of the game after, you know, maybe the first period. And you didn't see a lot of chances in the middle of the ice. There were a couple in the first period, and then it was exquisite, and it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Both teams were defensive-minded and excellent last night, I thought. I think the Lightning's principles have been on display for each of these two games. They have found what it is they do, which is what they did a year ago. They suffocate you. They can play that style. What's made them so dangerous is that they're skilled for days, but they can choose to be tough and sluggish and bog you down and make you play a game you don't want to play. And And they remain disciplined while playing it. And yeah. that is the difference between them and the team that lost to Columbus. Um, you know, that, that, that was a truly an eye opening experience for them. And you got to give Cooper and those players and that franchise credit. They were like unacceptable. We've got to be able to play a different brand of hockey. If we need to, 
We can yeah. play it any way you want to play it, but if we have to slow it down and play a tough-minded brand of hockey, we can. And that's yeah. the two Stanley Cup championships. It, it's uh, briefly. It's one of my favorite wins in this run because of how many guys got hurt within the game and came back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was like six different times you had a dude sometimes hit the same. face with a puck left and right, then Stamkos in the leg, and he's going off into the tunnel because damn it, that looks like it hurt. Um. <laughs> yeah, define a hockey player. You saw it last night in Spades. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, time for Probables brought to you by North Florida Payroll Services. We appreciate them as always, of course. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, Probables? Give a call today for your payroll services, 850-224-2439. Let's go. Let's do it. Here they are. Game's already underway. Humberto Castellanos going for the D-backs. Cubs will throw Kyle Hendricks. Cardinals, Pirates. Adam Wainwright goes tonight for the Cardinals, the ageless one. Goodness gracious. Four and three with a three one five. Never, never ages. Zach Thompson goes for the Buckos. Braves, Marlins should be a good game. Charlie Morton, he too seems fairly ageless. Ageless. Trevor Rogers goes for the Marlins. Rays, Orioles, Jalen Beeks, Tyler Wells, Dodgers, Phillies, Julio Urias, Rangers Suarez. White Sox, Yankees, Dallas Keuchel, Nestor Cortez, fun name to say. Reds, Jays, Luis Castillo, Hyun-Yun Ryu, who, by the way, is 0-0 with a 9. Tigers, Guardians, that's uh, Tariq Skubal and Aaron Savali. Mariners, Red Sox, Robbie Ray! Hey! Michael Walker. We got Rangers, Strohs, Martin Perez, Christian Javier. Twins, Royals, Devin Smeltzer, Daniel Lynch, Nationals, Brewers, Eric Feedy, Eric Lauer, Mets, Rockies, Carlos Carrasco, and Herman Marquez. The way the uh, Rockies hovering around 500. A's, Angels, Paul Blackburn, Chase Seath, and finally Padres, Giants, Sean Manaya, Jacob Junis. And that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. One day it called to you. Rounding it out. Safe travels, sir. We're back with you live on Monday, everybody. Uh, hopefully, we have joyous news to report. Tiger Woods makes the cut inexplicably. Goes on a run on a Saturday. Uh, maybe, just maybe, this is the time. By the way, let's let's first guess it. Again, we don't know how, the, how it's playing right now as you guys are listening to this. But do you think Rory keeps it together enough today to be sitting there going into a Saturday with a chance to win another major? Yeah, I do. Uh, this is, and you know me, I'm the last guy to ever say that Rory's going to compete, but everything about this week felt correct. Uh, and you can ask director Matthew and he'll put it in the chat on Wednesday. No, he said, what do you think? I said, the only thing I know is that Rory has a really good chance. That's the only thing I know. And he is so far so good. He looks different. There's just, there, there's a relaxed nature with him. He looks prepared for the test. So go get him Rory. I hope so, man, because he's one of the good guys in the game of golf, and so it would be good to see, and and maybe this would launch. You know, somebody said it yesterday. If he wins this, does he win three more? He might, actually. Yeah, uh, I think it could be the back end of a career that you say back and go, man, my man won eight majors. Okay, that is requisite. That is commiserate to the talent that he had. All right, all right, well done. Uh, good work out of you. Good work to Director Matthew, and our appreciation to all of you who listened to the program today. Back with you live Monday. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Be good, and we'll talk to you then.